Welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. We are making our way through the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse to St. John, the Apocalypse of Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ to St. John. We are already at the final two chapters, which is the new heaven and the new earth. I guess I would say this much. If you forget everything else about Revelation chapter 21, the point is that with this new heaven and new earth, we already have heaven on earth right here, right now. And we look forward to that final consummation, new heaven, new earth. But we already have, as much as this is about a new heaven and a new earth, I want you to, to kind of remember that this depiction of a new heaven and new earth is very much grounding heaven on earth already right now. We're already getting a taste of it here in the divine service. I'll say more about that as we go along, but that's been kind of our theme throughout Revelation is that the stuff in this book that seems to be way up there and way down there is actually right here, very grounded in the here and now. Revelation chapter 21, it's kind of a doozy. This is a longer chapter, and so uh, we're going to jump right in because, um, yeah, it's quite a bit to do to do all of it, but th- it'll be okay. I think we'll, we'll be fine, make it right through. So here we go. The text of Revelation 21 reads as follows. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away." And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, and for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels. And on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. 
And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysosparse, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Alrighty. So there we have the text of Revelation chapter 21. We got the new heaven, new earth. We have also this heavenly Jerusalem. I suppose the first thing's first, and that is uh, this word for, uh, we have a new heaven, new earth, um, the word for passing away. You notice that the language is not destroyed. There is a kind of, I suppose in Second Peter you get this, uh, what, the heavenly bodies will be dissolved and these sorts of things. It's not destroyed as much as, uh, as, as in annihilated as much as it is uh, passing away. It's being made new. There's some sort of process here. I'm going to say more about this as we go along, but some sort of, this is kind of a, it gives it the sense that it's going on right now. This new heaven and new earth is is in the process, even right now, passing away, and the sea is no more, usually this place in Revelation of chaos and destruction. Of course, there are two seas in the book, two waters, two springs, two seas. One is the chaos and destruction, the kind of sea and waters you'll see throughout the book of Psalms. I'm sinking and the waters are going over my head. But the other, the, the baptismal sea, the sea that's by the Spirit in front of the throne of the triune God, that's uh, that's the baptismal sea, that's the good sea. And uh, the same goes for this kind of process talk, same, goes for the city as well. I saw the Holy City coming down, present tense, like... Like down the road, it will do this well. It's also, I just love the, the tense that's used here in the Greek. It's a present tense. And elsewhere in the book, this same word, katabaino, this coming down, is used elsewhere for what is happening, uh, for example, to John right here, right now. It's already, you get the sense, already in the process, in the works. It's coming down as we speak. It's in the process of coming down already. Heaven on earth can be experienced already now. Um, and then it's been prepared, which is another, I mean, this is, this is another, in the same vein as this word of being prepared, verse 2, as a bride adorned for her husband, the language of prepared elsewhere in the book is what the Lord 
uh, does already right now for the church. Think chapter 12, the woman and the dragon. Um, she's being pursued, and yet the Lord has a place prepared for her. Jesus talks the same way, right? I go, behold, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house for many rooms and so on. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. The woman is getting, uh, has a place prepared for her in the wilderness. For the meantime, for the three and a half, for the this world stuff, for the age of the church of all times and places. And that's the same language used here, this new Jerusalem, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The preparations happen already now in word and sacrament and so on. Forgiveness, life, and salvation. The language of verse 3 is another thing that confirms this for me. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold the skene, the dwelling place, the tent. This is the same language used elsewhere for the the dwelling place. The skene of God is with man, and he will skene, he will dwell, he will tent with them. Nobody would have missed this, that this is the vocabulary that John uses in his gospel. For the incarnation, the word became flesh and skene, dwelt, he tabernacled, he tented with us. That's what's being said. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. That's the language of the incarnation. God will dwell with man. God will tabernacle, will tent with man in his son. We have that already when that word becoming flesh, that word becoming um, flesh who is with us bread, uh, in with and under bread and wine, um, already right now in the divine service. So I love this, like he's using, I guess, I mean, the big point again is he's describing this new heaven and new earth in lingo that is already a present tense reality for us in the divine service right here, right now. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things Again, this word, not destroyed, but have passed away. This is the language already in chapter 7 as well. I love that too, because in chapter 7, it sounds like a very baptismal look at a one church that lives in both heaven and earth at the same time. One church, heaven and earth. Um, And that's the language that's elsewhere used, this God wiping away tear from past, present, and future. We talked about that in in, uh, chapter 7. This like one church that's coming out of the great tribulation. It has everything to do with their baptism. It's a past, present, future kind of blending of the times. And this language also, this he will wipe away tears from their eyes. Death shall be no more. This is like a, this is an end time thing, but this is already a present tense uh, participation, you might say, uh, by virtue of being baptized. We saw that uh, again with chapter 7. Same language here in chapter 21. He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. It is done. Think I am finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is what we kind of heard already in chapter 1. Um, To the thirsty I'll give from the springs of water of life without payment. This sounds a lot like baptism the springs of water elsewhere this this water emphasis um and the sun as well like the sun who speaks i'm making all things new 
who has the springs of water emphasis, water and sun. This is a baptismal thing. To the one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God. He will be my son. I mean, the language of son, this is like, this is why I take this as baptismal. This, I am the Alpha and the Omega, springs of water. He will be my son. This sounds like, I mean, how are you God's son? How are you conquering as God's son? It's by means of being baptized. We, by being baptized, already know the end of the story. We are victorious. And then you get this little... Um, reminder i guess you would say this little it's like a at the end of isaiah isaiah is just a grandiose book isn't it at the very very end after you get by the way I should, maybe i should have started with this a lot of this revelation 21 stuff is coming from isaiah new heaven new earth is isaiah 65 um wolf will lie down with the lamb and so on you first hear that in isaiah 11 it's picked up again in isaiah 65 as a kind of end of the Isaiah gives you what? He gives you that, behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, Emmanuel, God with us. You get uh, the suffering servant. You get the whole gospel, the feast, come everyone. You know, the sacrifice has been made, 55, partake of this feast. This is a huge, you get all the way to the end of the world in Isaiah. It's a whole, the whole gospel. The fifth gospel, they used to call it, right? The book of Isaiah. Well, at the very end of Isaiah, new heaven, new earth. So I guess the first thing, I have a lot of things going on. Um, you still with me? The first thing is John goes back to the Old Testament to see what the end of the story is all about. Revelation seems to be like, well, we've, we're way beyond the prophets now. Thanks for serving your duty. John, this is the word from the Old Testament continuing to press forward. Um, it is fulfilled in Christ and it presses on toward its final consummation in Christ. And so there's a sense in which John is looking back at the Old Testament. Now I need to know the end of the story. And he looks to the Old Testament. He looks to the Bible to see it. Of course, Revelation is this unveiling as well. This inspired look at uh, these Old Testament words. At the same time, this Old Testament book, Isaiah, New Heaven, New Earth, at the very, 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 very end, you get this like, and they will go and look at the dead bodies and the judgment that's there. Famous paintings of this, by the way. It's like... Isaiah is so grandiose, you might say, you know what, that's just so remarkable, done deal, it's it. And yet the very last, it's like a little pebble in the shoe just to remind Now, by the way, this all can be taken for granted. You know, this still can be rejected. This still can be despised. And so there's these little reminders. And again, the last verse of Isaiah to be taken, you know, this, you, you, you don't want to just look at this as if it's a nothing. And Revelation does the same. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, murderers, and so on, everybody that doesn't want anything to do with it, there are consequences for this. And this is the point, I think, of introducing these little statements. We're going to see another one at the end of the chapter. This little, God takes sin seriously. His wrath um, will be dealt with in some way, will be uh, poured out. And yet at the same time, the comfort is that it's been expiated on his son. So be baptized into him and partake of the victory. So that's the kind of uh, note I hear here going on. We're going to have a lot to do on the other side of the break, but stay tuned. Somehow we'll uh, tackle the New Jerusalem in just a moment. We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question. What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? 
Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning, but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcast, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast. Folks, we are back with our study of Revelation chapter 21. We talked about new heaven and new earth, Isaiah, and so on. Now it's time for the new Jerusalem. I suppose the first thing here would be uh, the contrast with Babylon earlier in the book. Of course, with a tale of two cities, you might say. It's a two waters, two, uh, two cups, two um, all sorts of things throughout Revelation, two women, two cities. So here's the contrast to Babylon. Uh, there's the other city, and then there's this, the new Jerusalem, the holy city. And even the language that's used here, one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls, come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. I mean, last time it was, again, the other woman was the other city, and so on, the other wife. Here we have um, the seven angels. Again, I guess the first thing would be, the first thing would really be these seven angels are is uh they're again this ministerial group. I take them representative of the office of the holy ministry. And I've talked about that many other times, so I'll spare you that here, but I think that means this needs to be preached. I think that's the point. Um this new city are we are strangers here. Heaven is our home, that kind of sense. We need to remind ourselves that at the end of the day, you know. Don't trust in princes and earthly rulers and so on. Uh, the political scene and so on, like there's a bigger picture going on here. This needs to be preached, our true habitation. Uh, so one of the seven, I think that's the the I mean, who cares that it was one of the seven angels, one of the ones that had the seven bowls full of seven wrath before. Uh, but I think that's the connection of think again about this seven angel, the group, the preaching and so on. Come, I'll show you this wife of the lamb. I want to present before you how you look married to this lamb. You're going to come sit in the pew on Sunday morning thinking about the sin or the guilt. Come preach to them how they look clothed in the forgiveness of the lamb. Come show them in the midst of identity confusion who they truly are from the perspective of being married to the lamb. That's who they are at their core and so on. So he carried me away in the spirit. And again, that's just, I just think that's huge in Revelation, this in the spirit talk. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. 
I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. This happens in the Spirit. This is this Lord's Day sort of, you are in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. He sees this. I think this is preaching for the Lord's Day right here. On a mountain, okay, a high mountain, which kind of sounds like, oh, I don't know, all the best stuff in the world. Transfiguration happens on a high mountain. Um, well, Jesus is tempted up there on the mountain, right? Take, taken up to a high place, but at the same time, that's where he shows his glory. This is where the safe haven of the church is, the mountain, Mount Zion. Takes me up to a high mountain, and he shows me the city coming down. Again, this emphasis on the fact that it is present tense, coming down right here, right now, heaven on, heaven on earth in the, in the divine service, verse 10. Um, and the city, uh, excuse me, where in the world am I? He carried me away, having the glory of God as radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper shining. Um, here's where we have to do our homework a little bit. Clear as crystal. It had a great wall, 12 gates, 12 angels, and then 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. On the east three gates, north three gates, south three gates, on the west three gates. We also have 12 foundations, 12 names, 12 apostles. Okay, so lots of things. First of all, the stones. This is totally this language of stones and jasper and so on. This is also in Ezekiel 28, what the high priest is wearing. Um, what else? The 12, uh, let's see, the 12 names, for example. The high priest would have the 12 names on the breastplate. The 12 itself is such a rich number. The temple, so you have it in the tabernacle with the priest. You have it in the temple, uh, what was it, 12 oxen. You can read about that in First Kings 7. Um, and then we have 12s, uh, 12s elsewhere in the book of Revelation. I think the point here would be, I mean, these names, even these names of the 12, uh, the names on the breastplate of the high priest, these names that are mentioned here, the names of the 12 tribes, of the sons of Israel. I think the point here is that you're getting a description of this heavenly reality with stuff that already exists very much grounded in the divine service. Um, yeah, the you know the, the clothing of the high priest tends to change over the years, right, or whatever, or may have changed, but the thing is, it's grounded in the scriptures that this description of this heavenly city is something that you experience in God's holy house. His priests, for example, have this... Um, the language of the the stones and the jewels, these things are already existing uh, when the divine service is up and running. So I think it's like this, we're going to describe this picture of a new heavenly Jerusalem, but with language that's already a, a here and now kind of reality. Even the gates, all this language of the gates, why are there 12 of them? And we have the reference to the apostles. It's because you enter this holy heavenly city that seemingly is way down the road already right now when the apostles or those who stand in the apostolic ministry preach this language of city and gates and structure this is totally out of Ephesians this is just the apostle this is the apostle Paul um your fellow citizens with the saints members of the household and God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple 
in the Lord. In him you also are being built together as a dwelling place. This is totally what's happening here, is that this structure, this new Jerusalem, this heavenly Jerusalem, is being built and constituted already as the word and the sacraments go forth. One who spoke of me had a measuring rod of gold. Okay, so here we have, there's a lot of Ezekiel stuff in here too. At the end of the book of Ezekiel, you get a new heaven, a new temple, chapters 40 to 48, and a lot of this language you can find kind of allusions back to that as well, which is awesome because, again, it's kind of like, John goes back to Ezekiel to see the end of the story. Uh, The measuring rod also takes place in Ezekiel, but it also happened earlier in the book. It's, it's, what do you do with the measuring rod? We saw this in chapter, what was it, chapter 10 earlier in the book of, of Revelation. It's, this is the, the measuring stick, sorry, chapter 11, I guess it was. This is the measuring stick. How, this is the standard for looking at God's house, God's people, and so on. Look at it not from the perspective of the empty pews, but from the marks of the church, word and sacrament going forth. Measure it with this. What's given to you from above, don't measure it with the eyes of the world. Measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates. Will the city lie four square? Its length the same as the width. So we got a four, four, four. It's measure the city. Oh, you know what? This whole, like, it's... Its breadth, its width, its height are all equal. Verse 16, I think the point here is we're looking at a holy of holies. Um, the, the entire city is basically like a holy of holies. Um, these four corners, again, the tabernacle, the temple, the ark. I mean, when you measure the ark, the ark of the Noah's ark, like this is your church, this is your safe haven. This is your refuge. I think, again, the, why tell us all this, the four corners and the this, 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 height, width, and depth? This, I think, is a, this is your, it sounds like another temple or tabernacle. Uh, it sounds like this is already something that you can experience right here, right now. Um, this complete four square stuff. Um, the whole city is a whole, the whole city, the emphasis is on God's presence in this place. So connect that to what what we're talking about is God's presence with us already where he's dwelling among us in the word and sacrament. Um, he measured the wall 144, but it's also angels measurement. This is not just, you know, literal 144. It's also a spiritual description here. The wall was built of jasper. That's the point. Is that this is these are these this language these depictions are giving us a witness to a spiritual reality that exists already uh, here and now. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel, and then we get these twelve jewels again. This is also Ezekiel twenty-eight kind of stuff, which means these are jewels that are on the high priest, which means you're already you're just looking at heaven on earth when you see. We kind of had that, like, when you look at the stole, the pastor's stole, it's like uh, the one sitting on the throne in chapters 4 and 5. He's dressed like a pastor. And that's because in the stead and by the command, do you believe the forgiveness I speak is not mine but God's, God's himself? Absolutely. Well, let it be so for you um, as you believe. I won't uh, get into the details of all the, you know, where all these 
jewels and so on appear, but uh, just suffice it to say that several of these are, again, on the high priest. I don't think anybody would have missed this. This is a very grounding of this heavenly reality in uh, what's being delivered to the ones who stand in the stead and by the command of God himself. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty in the land. This is kind of a fascinating line here because elsewhere in there's a lot of temple talk elsewhere in Revelation. You know, voice coming out of the temple and so on. There's a lot of temple talk. And then at the end, it's like, oh, by the way, there isn't any temple. And I love it because as you move along with these seven angels again, I think the connection with the temple is that the voice coming out of from God's people, the voice from the church, I think the temple is kind of standing for the church as you go through Revelation. Uh, I think it's a kind of way to, to allude to that reality. And yet, really, if you want to get down to it, there is no temple, as it were, uh, unless you're talking about the temple who is God himself and the Lamb. And there is no light there, even though everything's bright and shiny, um, unless you're talking about the glory of God, which gives it its light. Think Jesus saying, again, I am the light of the world. By its light will the nations walk. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates. Will, so it's by means of this light that people are converted and offer up the fruits of the Spirit. Even right here, right now, its gates will never be shut. There'll be no more night. The glory will come in, the wealth and honor of the nations. This sounds like Haggai. Look at Haggai 2, 6, and 7. This kind of prophecy of this is something that's going on even right here, right now, by means of being converted. The light that shines in the darkness of our heart, the light that no darkness can overcome. And then a reminder that nothing unclean will ever enter it, but only those who are written in the book, Lamb's Book of Life. What a great chapter. Revelation chapter 21. So comforting also to know that we are experiencing this heaven and earth right here, right now in the divine service, and that he who has begun a good work in us will bring that to completion, will bring that heavenly experience to its fullest consummation on that day when our Lord Jesus comes to judge living in the dead and brings us to the life of the world to come. New heaven and new earth, no more tears, crying, and so on. Wonderful stuff. Very comforting. Only one chapter left, peeps. Stay tuned. We'll tackle that next time. Hey, the mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting the Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Until next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian German, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.